everyone, and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've joined us. We are coming to you from the dining room of the Grand Hotel on Mackinac Island during the 2021 Mackinac Policy Conference, where we are talking with many of the political and business leaders who have gathered here to talk about all of the issues and the challenges that we face as a city and a state. I'm going to start the show today with a pretty simple question. How often are you driving down the highway or even just stopped at a traffic light and notice that the person in the car next to you is texting? or otherwise staring down at their phone. I notice this all the time, and it's pretty frightening that the implications of our 24-7 connectivity and smartphone obsession have now made distractive driving even more serious a threat for all of us. Joining me to start the show today is someone who knows this all too well and who is fighting for the implementation of legislation that would crack down on distracted drivers in an effort to make Michigan roads safer for everybody. Steve Kiefer is founder of the Kiefer Foundation and president of General Motors International. He recently wrote a column in USA Today titled, A Distracted Driver Killed My Son. Now I'm fighting to save other families from our pain. Steve Kiefer, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you so much, Stephen. Thanks for having me. So let me first, of course, express my condolences for your loss, which I can't imagine uh, how, as a family, uh, you absorb something like that and, and try to move on. Obviously, it's a very personal issue for you, but I, I think it's something that has an impact on all of us. Essentially, anyone who drives a car is up against the threat of distracted drivers. Can you share just a little more about your son, though, and what happened to him? Yeah, um, yeah, certainly. So, uh, so Mitchell was an amazing young man. Graduated from Detroit Catholic Central in 2016. He was the goalie on the national or the state championship hockey team, and he started at uh, Michigan State University in the, in the in the fall of 2016. He was in his first month at Michigan State. He had come home for the weekend, and he was driving back to East Lansing at 7:50 in the morning on a on a beautiful Monday morning. Uh, traffic started to back up a bit. He slowed down, and unfortunately, the the young lady behind him did not slow down. Uh, she rear-ended Mitchell at uh, about 82 miles per hour, and the forensic data would indicate she was at 8% throttle, so she never touched her brake. Um, she drove Mitchell across a very, a very narrow median on uh, I-96, about 52-foot-wide median that had no guardrails, and drove uh, Mitchell into oncoming traffic where he was hit by a, a truck and killed instantly. And what was this driver who hit him, what was she doing? Well, it, it's the forensics are very hard to uh, hard to uh, be certain of. Um, so all I only speak with the data. I don't know what she was on or what she was doing, but uh, we know from the from the the, uh, the forensic data that she was at eight percent throttle. So the the data doesn't lie. Her speed was eighty two. Her, her her foot was on the throttle and not on the brake, and she was distracted by something. Hmm. And so this happens, and obviously you have to deal with this tragedy as a father and as a member of a family that experiences this loss, but it inspires you to this more public action. Um, talk about that journey from the loss to what you're working on. 
Well, you know, as I said, Mitchell's an amazing young man. He wanted to change the world, and uh, we're trying to help him uh, uh, change the world uh, in, uh, in his memory. Uh, we started the Kiefer Foundation the month after Mitchell's crash, um, and uh, our mission is to end distracted driving. And um, we are working on three pillars. One is associated with awareness, one is technology, and one is legislation. And uh, most recently, we're most focused on legislation, which we uh, refer to as hands-free Michigan. Mm -hmm. So we hear the term distracted driving, and I think for most of us, we think of people on their phones. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if you can provide a more comprehensive definition of that. And it sounds like uh, part of your work is about drawing attention to the range of things that people may be doing when they're driving rather than paying attention to the road. Yeah, in general, in, in this space, we talk about visual, manual, and cognitive uh, distraction. So visual, you take your eyes off the road. Manual, you're reaching for something. Your hands are off the steering wheel. Cognitive is interesting because even when we're focused on the road but uh, engaged in a, um, uh, a telephone call, that's also uh, distracting. And the data would say that you're not nearly as attentive even when you're looking at the road and cognitively distracted. However, um, we know from the data that the most significant uh, item which is impacting distraction and distracted driving crash, uh, crashes these days is the use of the cell phone. Yeah, yeah. So can you talk about the work this foundation has been able to accomplish since you created it back in uh, 2016? Yeah, I, I'm proud of many of the things we we have done. Um, uh, immediately, um, I wanted uh, that spot to be marked with um, with uh, with something to remember Mitchell. We worked with MDOT and we co-funded the cable guardrails that have been installed along I-96. So it was a co-funded project between the Kiefer Foundation and MDOT. And I was very proud that we were able to get these done within a year. But I also thought it was a bit of a symbolic gesture. Sure enough, within the first 12 months, at least 12 people hit those guardrails, and uh, they've saved lives. So we know they're saving lives. Um, we've done a number of other things uh, from an awareness standpoint, bringing simulators into schools and uh, helping uh, train and educate young people in safe driving techniques. But by far, we think the most important thing that we're doing right now is taking the lead on this hands-free legislation. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and talk about where we are with that, the hands-free legislation. Yeah, so um, right now there are three bills. Uh, they've been sponsored by by um, one Democrat and two Republicans. I'm proud of the bipartisan support. Uh, Mari Manoogian, uh, Mike Mueller, and Joseph Bellino have sponsored these bills, House Bills 4277, uh, They got through the Judiciary Committee where we testified uh, in the spring, and they have been stagnant ever since. Hmm. We know from our polling and from our data, 85 to 90 of the House members support these bills. That's 85, of, and nine, 85 to 90 of the 110 House members, yet we cannot get a House floor vote on these bills. And these bills are modeled after, uh, are drafted after a model bill that's been implemented in 24 other states in the country. And in every case, the crashes, the deaths, the insurance rates are coming down. Mm -hmm. It's known uh, legislation, yet we're not getting it done in Lansing. Uh, talk just a little bit about why it's being held up if it has such overwhelming support. Well, there's, um, there's somewhere between 20 and 25 uh, members of the House that are in opposition. And um, I won't try to defend what their arguments are. Many of them are in the in the area of civil liberty. Don't take them, don't take away my right to be on my phone in my car. Mm. I find it appalling. I mean, it's uh, it's one thing when it's your right to use your phone. It's another thing when you're using your phone and killing children. Mm -hmm. And uh, but that's that's probably the most pre prevalent argument. 
And um, it's, you know, until it happens to you or a loved one, you don't really realize how bad it is. And unfortunately, these lawmakers, I think, have never had a personal impact. But I'm telling you, they will because it's so prevalent out there. You see it all the time. I see it all the time. Yeah, yeah. So this month marks the five-year anniversary of your son's uh, death. And to commemorate that, the foundation joined a coalition of more than two dozen safety advocates to form the National Distracted Driving Coalition. Tell me a little bit about that and what the goals are. Yeah, so um, the uh, you know on one hand it's shocking how many people share the uh, this kind of story because they've lost loved ones. On the other hand, it is um, reassuring to know that there's um, dozens, maybe hundreds of other nonprofit organizations that are like-minded. Uh, so we've joined this coalition, and our goal is to get these hands-free laws passed in all 50 states. Um, as I said, we've got 24 done. We hope to make Michigan the 25th state and then onward and upward for the, the remaining 25. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's worth going back to note in more detail the kinds of things that you're trying to, to accomplish here. One of them is about these guardrails that mm. don't exist in so many places in Michigan. That's something that I think all of us notice and think, hmm, is there a safety issue there? You, you say there is. Yeah, you know, it's. Um, uh, I, I know there's uh, there's there's issues uh, with um, you know budgets, and we have to prioritize where we put these things. But um, you know, certainly in, in retrospect, if you look at a 52 foot wide piece of grass, absolutely flat on I 96, mm -hmm. separating the two directions of traffic, people driving 80 miles an hour. In hindsight, I would say, how could this not have had a cable guardrail? Right. So thankfully, um, we have been able to get several miles of uh, guardrail put in place. And we're um, actually initiating another project to get the community involved. And we're calling it uh, Guardrail by the Foot. So we're going to start uh, promoting that uh, other members of, um, of the state, private citizens that want to uh, get involved, will be able to contribute and help with uh, the foundation and MDOT put more of these guardrails in place throughout the state. Hmm. So, uh, and before we go on to, to other topics, I also want to talk about what it will take, or what you think it will take, to get the legislature moving on this. You know, this is not an uncommon situation for legislation where you have small number of legislators who just aren't comfortable with something, but it's not always the case that they are able to to overrule the majority. Uh, what do you? What's your sense of? what needs to happen or what could happen. Well, Stephen, I'll tell you, this is my first time delving in anything that's related <laughs> to legislation, so I'm certainly not messy, the expert. And I yeah. have been, well, really, I've been, I've, I gotta say, I've been very frustrated and shocked at mm -hmm. how difficult it is. Yeah. Now we talk about the majorities, as I said, 85 to 90 of the 110 House members are supportive. Mm -hmm. If this went to a House floor vote today, I'm sure it would pass with what would be considered overwhelming bipartisan support. Mm. So the process that's happening behind closed doors to have people oppose this and be very vocal is, to me, it's, it's appalling, and I just I I can't uh, I can't explain it because I can't understand it. Yeah. It really is. Um, so so we need to get the the remaining members, and we need the public to speak up, which is why I'm I'm on your show today and and and, and, and speaking about this. I mean, we uh, with the help of the Detroit Chamber, we polled the state uh, about a year ago. 88% of the residents of the state want these laws put in place. Yeah. It's, 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 the voters want it, yet we've got, you know, we've got some politicians that are dragging their feet. Some say they're too busy. Can you imagine being too busy yeah. to do something that's going to save your child's life? Right. It's, right. it's just shocking to me. In some ways, it reminds me of the rather long effort to try to get seatbelt laws 
into place. Uh, there were lots of people who made similar arguments about civil liberties and uh, not wanting the government telling them how to run their lives. It's impossible to imagine what the world would look like now if we didn't have seatbelt laws. Absolutely, and you know, as a uh, as an auto industry guy, as a General Motors guy, we know that seatbelts, airbags, all our safety features are saving lives, and they're so important, and we need to encourage more use on that. But you know, the one thing I would say, um, seatbelts like helmet laws on motorcycle, you know. If, if a person chooses not to do that, they're putting their own life in danger, mm -hmm. which is horrific, but that's that's very different than what's happening with these people that are on their cell phones that put my child's life in danger. Yeah. And really, I think the better analogy is drunk driving in the, mm -hmm. in the 80s and 90s. Mm -hmm. You know, it was rampant in the 80s and 90s. And until we had stiff laws and mothers against drunk drivers screaming in the back of courtrooms that kids need to lose their license and pay huge fines, we didn't change behavior. Today, most young people would never would not think of driving a car while drunk, yet they're constantly on the phone, which by the way is five to ten times more distracting than alcohol. It's yeah. proven. Yeah. So it's, you know, so we, so really I think the analogy is, um, is drunk driving. I think uh, with social media we should be able to get these laws put in place, communicated, enforced, and change behavior yeah. very quickly. Yeah, I mean it's a much more powerful analogy. Uh, drunk driving, uh, you know, is something that now everybody thinks of, as you point out, as unacceptable. Right. Uh, you just don't do it. And and the laws are the reason that uh, that people's opinions changed about that. I applaud AAA. They have a campaign called Don't Drive Intoxicated. And they basically <laughs> show a gentleman with a beer in his hand at the wheel. He says, you wouldn't, you wouldn't drink a beer with your kids in the car driving. Why would you hold your phone? Yeah. It's, every, it's actually more dangerous. The, the data says it's more dangerous. Mm. So, so you are also, of course, the president of General Motors uh, International. And I wonder uh, how your work there intersects with your effort to bring more awareness to this issue of uh, distracted driving. Well, you know, it's a global problem. So, um, you know, 1.3 million people around the world are killed on highways each year in, in traffic crashes uh, and automotive-related crashes. And then when you bring it to this country, it's between 35 and 40,000. Mm -hmm. So we do have a world problem. I will say, though, back to this hands-free legislation, Every developed nation in the world has these types of laws in place. Oh, is that right? In, in, in Europe, you wouldn't think of picking up a phone and holding a phone. It's a, it's a stiff penalty in every country throughout Europe. The UK, you lose your license. Huh. I mean, it's, it's, it's well known throughout the world. It's proven. It works. It changes behavior. And when I have international visitors that come to the U.S. and they see this, they're shocked. How, yeah. how could the United States allow people to have this kind of behavior in a car knowing that it's killing people? Right. So um, we started the campaign with the help of Tom Brady and Mary Barra this year. It's called mm -hmm. Just Drive. You may have seen it. It's a national campaign. We chose those words. They're well known. Others are using them. It's very simple. And by the way, these are the words that we're using in Korea and South America, all over the world now. We're telling people when you're behind the wheel, behind the wheel put your phone down and just drive. Yeah. Pay attention. Yeah. Okay, uh, Steve Kiefer, president of General Motors uh, International. Again, uh, my real deep, uh, sincere condolences for what happened to your son, but also uh, great inspiration in what you're doing as a result. Thank you so much, Stephen, for helping us bring more awareness to this, and let's get it done this year. Okay, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I'm going to catch up with Detroit Future City CEO Anika Goss about the state of economic equity here in Detroit and how to make sure all Detroiters are benefiting from the investment that we're seeing in the city. Stay with us for more Detroit Today.